0: the teammates just talking about it and you know i'm a big Jesus guy and it just kind of felt like you know you would have thought jesus was walking out of the tunnel the way the energy picked back up and you know we were joking with each other and it was like and and in the third quarter he rose again and just you know resurrected this football team this football game this this stadium it was it was crazy
1: You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes. Give us a review, a rating, and you can find all of the Locked On Packers content at LockedOnPackers.com. And as always, if you want to get in touch with the show, you can hit us up at the Locked On Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. That clip you heard was Ty Montgomery on the Jim Rome show. And of course, it's uh it's an interesting, it's an interesting thought. Uh I think a lot of Packer fans worship at the altar of Aaron Rodgers. So I think it's an apt metaphor in a lot of ways. Uh maybe not the one I would have gone with. But uh, obviously it was a joke, so I don't think we have to take any of that too seriously. It is opponent Wednesday, Minnesota Vikings come to town on Sunday. The 1-0 Vikings beat the San Francisco 49ers last week, and I, I would say in in relatively impressive fashion, Jimmy Garoppolo throws three interceptions, uh, Kirk Cousins makes up makes a bunch of nice throws, uh, couldn't get the running game going, and, and we'll talk about that with Courtney. The, the interior offensive line is still not very good for the Vikings. If there is one hole on this team, that is it. I want to clean up with some odds and ends before we get to Courtney, though, because I have the opportunity to watch the film back and get a better feel for what's going on. On TV, uh, you, know, you can usually tell what's going on with the offensive and defensive lines. You can tell what's going on with the quarterback in terms of his footwork and mechanics and those kinds of things. But the All-22 really really helps put into perspective what's going on with route concepts and receivers and defensive backs and all those kinds of things, what the quarterback is looking at, why he's making the decisions that he is. And a couple things stood out, um, and, and one of them was something that we talked about earlier in the week, and that was Mike Patton wanting to say, when we when we talked about the preview— what I suggested was that Mike Patton would endeavor to take away the run and say, Mitch Trubisky, we dare you to beat us. And he did, he did something interesting, and that was almost the exact opposite of that, but with a similar thought in mind. And that similar thought was, we're going to make you play left-handed. It was just a different kind of left-handed. Instead of saying, we're going to take away the run and make you throw it with Mitch Trubisky, Mike Pettin understood, and rightly so, that the best way for an offense to move the ball, especially in 2018, is to throw it. And the easiest way to get beat is to give up yards through the air. And as I as I pointed out, the, the Bears had a higher run per attempt average in terms of yardage than they did per pass attempt. 5.1 to 4.9. And Mike Patton played light boxes, played with played with a bunch of defensive backs, and said, Mitch Trubisky, you are not going to beat us through the air. And you know what? It absolutely worked. This was an awesome stat that I saw from Football Outsiders, I believe it was. After the first two drives, so the touchdown and the field goal, Mitch Trubisky went 15 of 26 for 72 yards. 15 of 26 for 72 yards. Didn't even get to three yards per attempt. That is getting the job done defensively. And I, I was I was even more impressed with Josh Jackson on second watch. He was the Trey Burton stopper. He was the guy that Mike Pettin tasked with covering him most of the game. Basically playing a a similar role to what Micah Hyde did for the Packers a couple years ago. You're going to cover tight ends. Play a little safety. Play a little slot corner. And, And Jackson didn't play true safety. He did play in the slot. He did cover the tight end. And on the two deciding plays of the game, the third and nine and then the fourth and nine, it was Josh Jackson with coverage on Trey Burton. The third and nine play, he is all over Burton, forces an off throw from Mitch Trubisky. Burton gets his hand on it, but so does Jackson. And then on fourth and nine, they go back to Burton up the seam. That's where Trubisky looking, but Jackson has him blanketed. Trubisky has to hold the ball, and Nick Perry gets the game-winning sack on fourth down. There was a half dozen or so times where Trubisky had to run the ball because the Packers' defense had locked down these receivers. And that bodes well for this defense moving forward. If if the most effective way that you can move the ball is on the ground and and with quarterback scrambles, generally speaking, you're going to have a good chance when you're the Packers' defense because Aaron Rodgers is going to be able to move the ball. Now, I, I know that, that we don't have updated information on Aaron Rodgers, But I said it on the show yesterday, if he was cleared to play on Sunday, I find it hard to believe, barring a major setback, he's not going to be cleared to play this Sunday. And I think for now, with no new information at our fingertips, and Aaron Rodgers is going to speak later today, so you know there may be more information by the time that you hear this, my guess is he's going to play. The Vikings are absolutely preparing for him as if he's going to play. And, uh, you know, uh, this offense— has adapted before. They did in 2014 when he had the calf injury, the soft tissue injury in his leg, they played a lot out of the pistol. And this offense with the skill the skill players they have is built for this quick passing game. But but one thing that I think is worth adding here, Ty Montgomery can be a part of that quick passing game, can be a part of the outlet in any play. Every time he touched the ball, he made a positive impact and he had a, he had a huge play called back for a hold. By the way, a one hundred percent right call. Justin McRae really struggled with Akeem Hicks early and settled in. Ditto for Brian Bulaga with Khalil Mack. Uh, really, they played so much better in the second half. Aaron Rodgers really did buoy this whole team. I mean, he, you know, there's that old saying where you know a person can can make can make men stand up taller when they walk in the room, and and that's just that's what Aaron Rodgers' return did for this team. Uh, When you you have a teammate comparing him to Jesus, you know he has a a certain kind of impact on your team. Ty Montgomery does not play as many snaps because he's just not as good in pass protection as Jamal Williams. That 51-yarder to Devontae Adams, the big play to set up the touchdown that gets them to within 20-17, that play doesn't happen if Jamal Williams doesn't have the blitz pick up. And Ty Montgomery just isn't there with that. But he is so dynamic, so explosive. He was better as a runner, better as a pass catcher. He needs to be on the field more often. And I, I think some of those problems can go away once Aaron Jones gets back because Aaron Jones is a guy who can do both. He is a more dynamic runner than than Jamal Williams. Um, you know, he is somewhere in between Ty Montgomery and Jamal Williams as a pass protector. So. Maybe he can be you know, a little bit of a jump start to this run game. I wouldn't worry about the run game at this point. But I would say those were my biggest takeaways from this game. Ty Montgomery needs the ball more in terms of offensive takeaways. And on defense, the secondary played outstanding. I mean, they were really, really good. And there were plenty of times, I know that the Bears put up some impressive rushing numbers, but the defensive front did its job. And when you put Oren Burks out there, and Josh Jones out there, you're going to have a better run defense, and and Patton won't have to sacrifice size for coverage ability. The reason you put all those corners out there is for coverage ability. Well, if you feel good about Oren Burks on Trey Burton, which I think Green Bay probably would, then you don't have to put Josh Jackson out there. Now, I'm not even advocating for that. I think playing in nickel and dime a lot of the time, especially against teams that can really throw the ball, that's not Chicago necessarily, but against teams that can, that that's a that's a, an interesting and I think potentially smart strategy. It worked against the Bears and Mitch Trubisky. Is it something they can do against Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings? I don't know. And I don't know if they'll want to. I think they, they might want to play a little bit more traditionally, but they were able to use those defensive backs to their advantage when it comes to blitzing defenders off the slot. They just weren't able to finish. I mean, Green Bay had a a number of opportunities in the Bears' backfield that they just didn't finish, at least a half dozen plays, I would say, where they were in the backfield in a position to make a tackle for loss and just couldn't finish the play. They need to make those plays moving forward, but I think you have to be really encouraged with what you see from this defense. Our pick'em pool is underway. My picks were not great in week one. Hopefully, they get better for week two. And if your picks did better than mine, maybe you should consider putting your money where your picks are at mybookie.ag. Where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. And you could put down cash today and win. We already have a game coming again tomorrow. Week two will be underway, and you could win at mybookie.ag. They have live in game betting. A rewarding player perk system, an awesome mobile site. And when you join now and use the promo code LOCKED ON, MyBookie will match your first deposit dollar for dollar. Just use the promo code LOCKED ON at MyBookie for a dollar for dollar deposit bonus. MyBookie.ag You play, you win, you get paid. All right, let's bring in Courtney Cronin. She covers the Minnesota Vikings for ESPN.com. You can follow her on Twitter at Courtney R. Cronin. That's C-R-O-N-I-N. Courtney, thanks for joining Locked On Packers.
0: Hey, thanks for having me.
1: So, obviously, the Minnesota Vikings come in with pretty heavy expectations in 2018 and performed really well, I thought, in Week 1. The defense looked like the defense we saw last year, the offense, I think with some expected bumps with a new quarterback, what was your impression of the Vikings in their win over the 49ers uh, on Sunday?
0: I think it showed the best of, uh, you know, the best of all worlds of, of this team. I mean, every, honestly, it's kind of cliche, but everything from, you know, offense, defense, the special teams, I mean, there were, there were moments from Kirk cousins that were really good. And then there were some that were not so good. And, you know, the defense looked great, you know, most, you know, throughout most of the game. And then, you know, the 49ers threatened to come back. And, you know, obviously what you can say with special teams is Daniel Carlson looked pretty good. It's just going to be a matter now of getting that trust from Mike Zimmer, um, you know, to finish out, uh, you know, halves by, by kicking long field goals. I know they could have done that in a two minute warning. But, you know, anyways, I mean, just taking a look at the whole picture, they showed everything. That way it'll take for them to continue on in a championship run season. Um, All the good elements pieced together. And I think for Kirk Cousins, uh, the number one thing is he doesn't have to be perfect. I mean, he learned that, you know, by with a defense that had, had three interceptions and obviously that huge goal line stand and he's getting points from his defense, that he can go out there and he has a more margin for error essentially which is you know a great thing for a quarterback to have he's never played at the number one defense uh, in the NFL and this gives him all the confidence to go out there be himself and not be afraid to make mistakes
1: I want to go back to a couple months ago because the Vikings in 2017 had what I think was, you know, obviously a disappointing loss in the NFC title game, but but in some ways a really dispiriting potentially uh, loss because of the way the defense looked in a season where the defense was great. Being around this team over the last six months or so, did you did you see any or feel any ill effects of, uh, of that disappointing end to 2017?
0: Well, I mean, it's certainly been the dark cloud that hung over the franchise. for for quite some time even when they signed Kirk Cousins I mean the the number one thing that's brought up is you know how how is this franchise going to get past 13 and 3 in 2018 how are they going to take one step further beyond the NFC championship Um, and, and I'm sure you know the memories of that game probably are you know further in the in the background now but beginning of training camp you know throughout the preseason they lingered I mean there was for the number one defense in the nfl to come out that way in philadelphia was was pretty bad and i mean there was no pass rush the last five games of the regular season which excuse me the last five games of the season dating back into the regular season in 2017 uh, and that really that really forced them to kind of reevaluate what they wanted to do defensively this year and, and find some upgrades most notably bringing in sheldon richardson to shore up that three technique spot um, and provide more of an interior pass rush than they had last year. So they did they kinda went through part by part to figure out what they needed to do, how they wanted to build for the future while also really focusing on this year. I mean you saw it with Daniil Hunter getting extended back in June, um, you know, Anthony Barr still Uh, is is on the table but even before that with with Eric Kendricks I mean they have their pieces in place to contend for a championship this year and certainly it's built around the strength of this team which is the defense Um, and that's really been the focal area outside of you know Kirk Cousins in the offense of you know keeping this core of Mike Zimmer's core guys together for, for as long as possible.
1: Yeah I'm sure it did not make a lot of people in Packerland very happy to see the Vikings go out and and address probably a spot that you would you would say okay can Case Keenum win them a Super Bowl mm, maybe not so okay they're gonna go sign Kirk Cousins as you mentioned the pass rush waned a little bit at the end of the year they go out and sign Sheldon Richardson can they keep this core intact and as you mentioned they go out and sign all their guys so <laughs> I think it's like well well what else is there what what other questions could you have if you have any question it is the the offensive line particularly that interior. And I think that showed up in week one, right?
0: Yeah, I think it's, you know, really throughout the entire offensive line. I know that, um, you know, Mike Mike Zimmer praised Brett Jones for coming in the center who's taking over for Pat Offline on a temporary basis until he's ready to play. Um, You know, he came in and he had 10 days to to learn an offense, uh, which was a moderately similar scheme, especially what they were doing on the offensive line because he came from the Giants and Pat Petra was Vikings offensive coordinator last year. But, um, you know, there's been a lot of question marks there. And, I mean, it's injuries is number one. I mean, you lose your starting left guard, uh, you know, week two or three of training camp. Pat Elfine was on pup throughout the entire preseason, hasn't played, has not you know kirk cousins hasn't taken a snap with the starting center period that just hasn't happened and then you know Aviant collins who was a depth piece he was their swing tackle uh you know find out yesterday he's out for the season so they don't have a lot of depth and the starting the starting five is still very much a work in progress um i think we're seeing the best of riley reef right now which is definitely a silver lining to the entire equation but mm-hmm. Run blocking wise, Mike Remmers, is uh, he had a fourth start of his career at right guard, or at guard, period, but at right guard um, in week one. And I think he, he struggled more than I expected to see him in run blocking. Uh, the right side of the line just did not look that great. So, the, you know, the, the interior, sure. I mean, Tom Compton, I, I saw pro football focus is great. That's great. Uh, that's the best grade that he's ever gotten his, in his career, but I still think that there is a question of whether this is a starting caliber all 16 games left guard. I don't know if he is. Um, so they're going to have to address some of those some of those questions continuously throughout the season. It, it's an issue that I don't think is going to go away. And the Vikings know, you know, all it's all too familiar how the offensive line and injuries and shuffling can really contribute to derailing a season like it did in 2016, and they want to avoid that.
1: Sure, and and part of the uh, the the improvement, or at least the projected improvement for this team year over year, you you asked, you know, how can they get better from thirteen and three? Well, if there's there's another reason you could point to, it's Dalvin Cook is back, um, but he didn't have a lot of room to run against the Forty ers in Week One. Uh, how much of that was rust? Do you think from Cook, and and how much was that that offensive line played? You
0: know, I think uh, I I don't know if it was that much of rust from Dalvin. I think he looked terrific in the passing game 55 yards from scrimmage he had that 17 yard screen pass mm. um, and that that's going to be an important element especially for Kirk Cousins as he's got you know some pretty tough pass pass rushes that he's going to face in the first few weeks of the season you know particularly thinking about weeks 4 and 5 in Los Angeles and then again with in Philadelphia that screen game is going to be a very big part of his arsenal um, that along with the RPOs and getting Dalvin involved in, in so many ways. But in terms of the run, for sure, they could have used a lot more from their run game. I mean, Latavius Murray, I think they brought him in probably a little bit too late. I think they probably should have given him some more you know, some more work early, early on. I mean, Dalvin looked pretty good up until the time of the fumble. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the turning point for the 49ers. But, you know, their defense kind of like Seattle. They stack eight in the box. It's hard to run. Um, you're not going to generate five, six, seven yard runs, I mean, it's going to be kind of in that three to four area where they were. Um, And they definitely needed to find ways to, you know, to to get more out of Cook and Murray. And, and, you know, I think that that's going to become when you see things like this, you're going to find that they're in the slot They're, you know, maybe you're seeing two backs on the field at once that can catch the ball. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that they can use them uh, to get a lot of production when the run just isn't coming.
1: Obviously, the biggest story in Green Bay right now is the health of Aaron Rodgers. Uh, The Packers have been cagey about talking even about what the injury is. Uh, My suspicion is they know and and they're they're waiting to see how his, his knee responds over the next few days. But they haven't said whether or not he's going to play. Now, my suspicion is he is going to play. I would. My assumption, and, and you can certainly correct this if you think it's wrong, is that the Vikings are preparing as if 12 is going to be under center, not Deshaun Kaiser.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think you could ever with this team, with this rivalry, with everything that's at stake in the NFC North, um, that they'd ever want to be uh, not preparing for, for what they'd expect. And I mean, you know it kind of works in their favor. Prepare for it as if Aaron Rodgers is going to go in, have to stay in the pocket, not be the mobile Aaron Rodgers that you've come to know so well, um, you know, over the years. And, you know, work on forcing him to get the ball out quickly. I mean, he's pretty good when he can do that, but I think it's a different – you know, it requires some different strength of your pass rush. A lot of, that, a lot more of that's kind of what we saw in week one with Sheldon Richardson and that interior pressure coming out from the inside, allowing Neil Hunter and Everson Griffin to get to the quarterback. It helps them do their jobs better. Um, so prepare for that. And if you get to Sean Kaiser, then you're in a really good spot, and you're and you're feeling pretty good about yourself. But there's no way that they would even consider thinking that Rodgers isn't going to play. I mean, you saw him come back there in the second half and. You know, another miraculous, heroic performance. And I, I think they're expecting, you know, the best of Aaron Rodgers that they're going
1: to get. Yeah, I think that everyone that that watches football and cares about football, I think, should want that, too, just because it, it makes for the most compelling game. I, I know it's still pretty early in the week here, and let's, let's pretend as though Aaron Rodgers is going to play, albeit limited. Um, handicap this game for us.
0: Well I think that you know the Packers certainly at home it's a, it's a tough place to play the Vikings beat them there last year but that was without Aaron Rodgers um, you know late in the season because of the collarbone injury and not, and they didn't want to bring him back that early. Uh, I tend to think that the Packers do have the, the favored right now and particularly with what Rodgers did against Chicago uh, late in the game. I mean that's Something that kind of stands for you know stands for something when you're when you're determining it either you know a point spread or how you'd like to predict it. But you know, if the Packers win, it's not going to be by a lot. I still haven't even thought about my prediction as far as you know where I'm going with it. But I could yeah. absolutely see the Vikings coming in there if Kirk Cousins is able to pick apart those young corners. Um, you know, there's a reason that they drafted them, and I think they performed well for for the most part against Chicago, but um, you know, cousins did get a lot of that early on to you know to the 49ers. I mean he had almost one near interception there late uh, in the third in the third quarter that would have been probably one of his worst balls that he threw. but you know they've got a young secondary and you know he was and he's got some really good ball placement he's very accurate and he can make throws to you know his playmakers when they don't look like they're open because he's got really good ball placement. So if he can do that, then they can probably escape out of there with a win. But, I mean, either way, it's going to be an incredibly close game. And, you know, you couldn't ask for anything better with how good week one was as an, as an entire slate in the NFL to, to have mm-hmm. something similar again, you know, come up in week two with, you know, a marquee matchup.
1: And, and a game that, that could end up being incredibly important Uh, to both of these teams as they jockey for for playoff positioning in the NFC. So not going to be a game in in which either team is going to give any quarter. Courtney, thank you for coming on Locked on Packers. Let let the audience know where they can find the work that you're doing, especially this week in the lead up to this game.
0: Sure. My Twitter handle is at Courtney R. Cronin, and you can find my work on uh, ESPN.com. If you go underneath the NFL tab, you can scroll over to Minnesota Vikings under our NFC North teams and find all my stuff.
1: Probably not going to get a lot of Packer fans doing that regularly, but this <laughs>
0: yeah, probably not.
1: But this week, you certainly will, and and I think they they keep tabs on on what's going on over there in Minnesota over the course of the season. So, uh, again, I, I I appreciate you taking the time today.
0: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, I want to thank Courtney again for joining the show. She is absolutely terrific. Really, really sharp. And actually I heard her on another podcast. I told her this. I said, I, I heard you on Bill Barnwell's podcast, and I just thought I have to get her on the show to talk about the Vikings because I, I just some people you like to hear talk ball and, and she's one of those people. So uh I'm glad she she was able to to come on. A lot of Packer fans are intimately familiar with this Vikings team and and Vikings fans, I'm sure. And that adds a little bit more to this rivalry. Um, just a just a quick note here because it was something that happened yesterday. There was a little bit of discussion about it on Twitter. Uh, the Packers put Trevor Davis on IR, and uh, this was something that I had I had kind of predicted as we as we moved through the preseason. He was dealing with the injury, and I just thought, well, the Packers are probably going to just punt this decision on the receivers down the road. When they kept eight, that was a surprising move for me. Now it's already down to seven. They also released Marwin Evans, who was a a favorite of mine. I got a, a text on the Lockdown Packers fan hotline about that. It's a bummer. They signed Deontay Burton, who's a converted receiver from Kansas State, an outstanding athlete who's now playing cornerback, was on the, the Falcons practice squad, and then was elevated to the active roster, played on special teams. And uh, he can he can be a special teams factor. That that's what he you, you would think is going to be brought in for. And then they also added Will Redmond, a, a cornerback from Mississippi State, was drafted in 2016, uh, was a 49ers uh, pick, actually 68th overall. So not a bad uh, pedigree there. But was dealing with injuries coming out of college, dealing with an ACL, a little bit undersized, uh, but had some had some cover talent. So it, it's a it's a gamble worth taking on a former top 100 pick for the Green Bay Packers. Kevin Seifert, Courtney Cronin's colleague at ESPN, is slated to join the show tomorrow. Uh, he was in transit today, so we we're trying to get that scheduled. Hopefully we can make that happen for tomorrow. And then injury report on Friday. Obviously, the, the, the show tomorrow will be heavily dedicated to whatever Aaron Rodgers says at his locker today and, and where we are injury-wise with him Uh, I've said it a bunch, and and maybe this will age poorly by the time you hear this, but I I think he's playing, and I I expect Green Bay to have an offense tailored to his lack of mobility. It's something, again, that they are familiar with, and I I think there's a case to be made. It could improve their offense because it forces Rodgers to play on schedule a little bit more often, something he said after the game, that he knew he had to get the ball out, was going to have to play more on schedule, but he can still move in the pocket in subtle ways. I loved what, what Zach Cruz said on the show yesterday, that this is a glimpse into what Rodgers could look like playing at 40. It's good practice now. He's still got great subtle movement in the pocket. The Randall Cobb game-winning touchdown pass was that. He he, he bought a little bit of time, stepped up, moved to his left, and found Cobb. He, he's still going to be able to do those things, assuming that, that his leg is at least where it was during that game. We don't know that that will be the case, but... I think that's the the most likely scenario at this point. Remember, if you have a question, send it to me at the Lockdown Packers fan hotline 920 341 3775 We'll get to some of those questions on Friday uh, as we go through the injury report as well. You can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Lockdown Packers. Like us on Facebook, review us on iTunes. And always stay locked on, Packers.